Welcome down to Quick Nine episode of Paddy Tarskoff, a little excerpt of one of my favourites, or one of your favourites, or one of the most popular episodes of the back catalogue of Paddy Tarskoff podcast, powered by Four Golf Custom, the lovely folks in Clean Castle, who fit everybody from up and down the country and around the world, including this Dacia man, over on the PGA Tour. Hey, I'm Seamus Power on the PGA Tour. If you're looking for the best golf club reviews out there on YouTube, just check out the guys at 4Golf Custom. They've custom fit my golf clubs for years and they're the best in the business. So that's Seamus. And he's a big fan of 4Golf and we're all big fans of his. But you're here because you saw a podcast of a Saturday that's about nine minutes long. Hence the old quick night name. And I'm going back, oh, at this stage... 126 episodes ago and it's episode 3 with Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Enjoy. Uh, I, I've never gone all in, in fairness. Uh, my, my belief is is that especially for young people I think that society tends to scare young people. I think that uh, if, when you're in school, and, and they're all well-meaning people, don't get me wrong, but when you're in school, they'll say, if, if you don't do well in this particular area, then these horrible consequences will result. And many times, it's even the people that are closest to you that are holding you back because they're scared. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to fail. Of course. And my feeling is, is that wherever your passion lies, unless it's a specified field, if it's bookkeeping or a doctor or solicitor or something, that's a specified field. But for the vast majority that are are going through school, my my contention is, if there's something that you want to do, some, some desire, something that you harbor in your heart, then do it. And what I mean by that is, like, if you look at, like, what you're doing right now, Patty, that because of the, the way that media is distributed today, you don't have to wait for anyone's permission to do what you're doing. You, you, didn't, you didn't go out and apply to some commission to become a host of a, of a golf podcast. You did it because your passion carried you to a point that compelled you to do it. And what I say to people, is, to young people in particular, is don't get caught up in the fear. Don't, don't buy into the current of insecurity that other people will want to instill to you. And I, I guess the bottom line is, is that my message is bite off more than you can chew and then chew like crazy. And having said that, when you're doing it, that doesn't mean that you don't keep the, the job the second job or the third job to keep some money coming in so that you can pay for your life and you know continue to do what what you need to do in order to get by but what i what i recommend to people is 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 if you can those ancillary jobs that actually pay for your 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 food and your clothes and and housing if you can get those jobs in a field that support where your passion lies and so that's that's the primary thing. And then the other thing that I say to, to young people, particularly if they're interested in doing what we're doing at the moment, is uh, I look at a guitar, for example, or, or even this microphone that we're speaking into, and millions of people currently are using them, probably billions of people have used them. What unique voice do you give it? If you take a common implement, what voice 
do you have that's so unique that someone is compelled to say, well, that's something that I'm interested in? So to that point, and you just alluded to it, my, my first advice is become an expert at something. Let, let's say that uh, your passion is football. And and what happens if what happens if you're an expert on uh, I'm just talking crazy now, but what happens if you become an expert of knee injuries? Right? And I know that sound it sounds crazy to you what I'm saying. Or what happens if you become an expert on hip replacements, knee replacements, ligament damage, whatever it is. I, and it doesn't have to be those things, but what I'm saying is that if you become the person that the people who need to generate content go to because you're the expert in that particular area, you've built the foundation, you have your platform, and once you have your platform and your foundation, then you can evolve from there because you asked me I never directly answered the question how I went from where I was to being on Golf Channel now. It's because I was an expert in a very specific area. Then once I had that platform, I said, you know, I think I can do that. And they go, geez, okay. You seem to know what you're doing and, and you're not afraid to talk or look into a camera, which takes me right back to Terry Wogan because I heard an interview with him. He had 8 million people in his audience. 8 million. And there was an interview with him, and someone said, how do you broadcast to 8 million? And he said, I don't. I only broadcast to one. And that was the key. That was the thing that turned the corner for me. We're not asking permission for doing this. We're in the 19th on Main Street in Le Hinch. So that is the background noise. Paddy, Paddy Keane, thank you very much. Paddy Murphy, thank you very much and Paddy for Keane, having us here. Down at Le Hinch. You've interviewed literally everyone in the game of golf, uh, of all players. Is there one particular one that stands out, like a particular story that they gave you, or maybe an interview with one of those golfers that came about maybe unconventionally? Um, I think the one that moves me the most is Charlie Sifford, who I'm not even sure if you would know who that is, but, but Charlie Sifford, uh, African-American man, uh, was good, good, good player, grew up as a caddy. I had this natural aptitude uh, towards the sport and he was barred from playing at its highest level despite the fact that he had the talent to do such because of the color of his skin. But there was a, a provision in the PGA that the PGA was for Caucasian only. It was an actual provision. And he, he had to take court action in order to allow him to play. And he told me of all of this. And he, by the time he made it on the PGA Tour, he was actually, in fairness, past his prime, but he still won twice. His first win coming in Hartford, Connecticut at, the, at a tournament that was called the Greater Hartford Open uh, at the time. And he never, uh, he, he told me a very moving story of uh, leading the Canadian Open. And normally the, the winner of the Canadian Open would receive an invite to play in the Masters. And he's leading the tournament, he came in and there was a, a sign posted the next day that said that, the, that this year the, le the winner of the Canadian Open would not be invited to the Masters. And it was stories like that where, where there's profound injury uh, done for no reason other than something that he had no control over, he was the color of his skin. And he also told me a story about the first tournament that he was playing in, and doing, playing very well, leading, and a man called his hotel room and said, if you play golf tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Imagine, and, and he said, well, do whatever you're gonna do. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna be out, I think he said, his tee time was 9.20 or something. He said, do whatever you're gonna do, but I'm teeing off at 9.20. And you know, it was interesting because I asked him in that interview, I said, did, were you aware of the fact of the significance of what you were doing that 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 this was more than than hitting a golf ball this was about trailblazing and he said no he said I just loved the game and 
you know, talk about following your passion. Yeah, big time. So that one left a mark. I've been kind of freaking out a small bit leading up to this little chat. Uh, so I'm hoping I'm asking the right questions. You're doing fine. <laughs> um, but of all the legends of the game you've had chats with, mm-hmm. now we're having pints, so it's a bit easier. But who were you most excited or nervous about beforehand? Um, most recently, I would say, to that scale, it would be Arnold Palmer. Because um, shortly before Mr. Palmer passed, he, he slipped on a, on a rug. Uh, he called it a throw rug. In his in his in his house in Orlando, and the rugs the rug slid out from his feet, and he and he crashed down on his on his shoulder, and he was hurt very badly, and in it, he was he never really came back from that to to his full physical and mental form that he had prior, but uh, we uh, we had reached out, and for whatever reason, he granted us to interview him, and knowing the the significance of it. Uh, I hired a camera crew as well, so it was a setup like we have here with the microphones and so forth, but we also had a camera set up. And I remember the man who was in charge of the cameras saying to me, Maddie, do you want two cameras? You know, one on, one on me asking questions and one on Mr. Palmer, and I said, no, I'd like one camera, and I want it trained solely on Mr. Palmer. And so I, I wrote down a list of his accolades, his, his, you know, career accomplishments, even though it's still just the tip of the iceberg. And I had it on a piece of paper. And so I did the intro just like you did to, to this podcast today for, for Arnold Palmer. And I looked down nervously at my sheet and I read through that he's a 62-time winner on the, on the PGA Tour. He's a seven-time major champion. That Mr. Palmer had the foresight and the vision to come to the Open in the early 1960s and thus opened it up to the rest of the world and, and in large measure made the Open as we know it today, the major championship as we know it today. The concept of a Grand Slam was born by him uh, in the, in 1960 when he had won the, the Masters and he had won the U.S. Open and that's why he was chasing the Open here. So we elevated it definitively to that status as well. And so I was going, and I'm just telling you again, just a tip of the iceberg about what this man's impact was in the game of golf. And when I saw the broadcast of this interview later, what I didn't realize was that this man, deep into his 80s, hearing me recount his life, he looked up in this way, and and again, I was looking down because I was nervous to shake in a shaking pad, and I didn't know it until I saw it, that he looked up, and you could see his eyes sparkle in this way that only Arnold Palmer could, and he was listening to his own life recounted. And, and he, he there, there are, the Irish are good at it, and, and he was particularly good at it. They smile with their eyes, and he did. And that was, to me, was so cool, because it was a moment with Arnold Palmer that through my nerves, I didn't even realize happened until retrospect. And, and so that, that was really cool. That was really fun. That's special. That's special moments right there. If there's one man I need to get back on the podcast after listening to the entire episode um, to edit this one together for you for this quick nine episode flashback, uh, it is Mr. Matt Adams of the Golf Channel. Um, we've met each other since actually in Lynch uh, last summer. Uh, we must do it again. We must actually tee it up sometime, Matt. But um, I really hope you enjoyed that flashback. Those two, three great stories. 
and they've even I'd forgotten a couple of those. So I'm glad I put this together for you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as I have enjoyed um, remembering back and re-listening to it and, and, and cutting it up for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please do hit up the full episode. It's episode three. It's in the, the link to it is in the show notes of this one. Or if you scroll down far enough on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get yours, you'll find episode three with Matt Adams. All right, until we tear up again soon, which will be in two days' time, with North and South of Ireland winner Hugh Foley, uh, Monday morning, 11am. Slán, be good. Mm-hmm.